Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy, including those just passing through Austin. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the counter, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations, and we'll usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin and Central Texas comedy scene one of the best in the country. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review us. Today, I'm going to be reading a really long intro, but it is well worth it. Uh, this is somebody that I met during last year's Comedy Wham! online isolation comedy shows. Uh, she has one of my very favorite Twitter accounts. It's at Bori Pool. She is the co-author of the card game Latino Card Revoked, and I'm pretty sure I would fail. <laughs> uh, she's the host of the Case of the Mondays open mic here in town at the Creek in the Cave. She's a co-op member of San Antonio's The Blind Tiger Comedy Club. She's the house MC of the historic Aztec Theater in downtown San Antonio. And I'm so, so amazed to see, see the uh, after effect, but she recently shaved her head, raising over $2,000 for the St. Baldrick's Foundation, which helps to find cures to childhood cancers. She is a badass mom, and notably for us here at Comedy Wham, she is our 200th podcast episode, and I could not be more thrilled. And now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Tori Poole. Hi. Hi. <laughs> that was way longer than most of them, but you are very diverse. Thank you. Thank you. I try to be, you got to be when you're a brown girl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, in doing some of my research, you are from Laredo. I am. Yeah. I, I was born in Laredo uh, for first six years of my life. And then we, we got out. We were one of the ones that got out. <laughs> Yeah. And where did you go after Laredo? We came to San Antonio. My okay. mom was espa uh, escaping her affair because Laredo is a very small town and she was one of the other women and we were the family. <laughs> and she was like, we got to go to the big city and shed this stigma of me being the other woman. But, you know, it was just a change in location. She was still the other woman <laughs> for oh, several <boy>. years. <laughs> But yeah, we came to San Antonio. I was in the second grade. Yeah. Huh. Crazy. Hmm. So I've been, I've been in San Antonio most of my life. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Tori, we have gotten to know you through my long-winded introduction and finding <laughs> out where you're from and how you got to San Antonio. But I actually have an official icebreaker question. Sure. For you. And that is one word to describe your past. Oh, God. <laughs> That's one cool. word to describe my past. Uh, can I say tumultuous? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I don't know. I was kind of a, I did everything backwards and I did everything kind of wrong. And I've always <laughs> taken like the hard route 
um, my mom used to say that I made my own hell and I'd be like, whatever, <laughs> like very like upset about it. But as a, a woman now in her, you know, late thirties, I'm not supposed to tell you my age because it's supposed to like hurt me or whatever, but like, I don't care. Uh, but now like a woman who, who knows herself more, I know that I was terrible. Like, I think that it's, it's like, especially like as a teenager raising a now almost teen, um, I feel like I, I get what I gave, if that makes sense. Um, I was always the first one to fight, you know, like I was always like, yo, I'm going to like, I just, I don't know. I don't know what was wrong with me. Um, even in my early twenties, I was just terrible, just so many fights. And now I'm like, I don't want to go to jail. (laughs) (laughs) And now I understand so much more about, uh, you know, really thinking, thinking your actions through and, you know, and not being so hot headed and, Maybe that's the word for me. I was I was a terrible teen and terrible uh, young adult. Yeah. <laughs> I I listened to the Texas Public Radio story that you shared, and for oh. anybody that's listening, it's well worth the. I think it's just under eight minutes. It's thank you. Yeah, the awesome. worth repeating. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It is such a good like. I can't profess to say that I know you very well. I do know I saw you at an altercation comedy festival a few years back and watched um, watched you during our online shows and have been fo- following you on, on social media. So I feel like I, I have a glimpse into uh, who you are today, but that really gives such a nice glimpse into like where you were to who you are today in in a neat package. Mm -hmm. And uh, I will say too, that the other thing that I was blown away by that story is your voice. Oh, thank you. So radio friendly. (laughs) (laughs) Someone hire me. I am looking for work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was almost thinking, Oh, she should be on the moth. Yeah. That's actually what I had wanted to do. How I got uh, involved with worth repeating is I love the moth stories and Mm -hmm. they always are tearjerkers, you know, just like these human interest pieces. And I I am a writer. And uh, when that opportunity came up to audition for worth repeating, I was like, okay, this is my chance to, to see my, if I can still tell a story um, in a concise under eight minutes. Cause that was the whole thing with it. It's like, you know, we have to hit it under the time limit. And I was like, I got this. I know about time. You know, yeah. I do comedy. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, no, that was a great experience. And I was still teaching at the time and I loved teaching. Teaching was my passion. Um, I, because I got to teach writing. I love writing. Um, so that was, yeah, that was in the thick of my, I love this. And then it all went to whatever. <laughs> well, let's go in the Wayback Machine. And sure. uh, it sounds like your childhood, you know, you wanted to be the tough, tough girl um, mm-hmm. on, on the block. And uh, I'm wondering if at any point in time, humor and comedy played a role in your life. You know, I have that really to thank for my family. We have always been in these situations where humor was our coping mechanism from like a very young age, you know, like it wasn't very upsetting that we were one of the other families, you know, we made jokes about it. You know, I remember one of the first jokes that I ever told, which I now just started putting into my act was how 
uh, was a crack about how my dad, you know, was populating the planet. Like he's got several families. And I remember telling that in the lunch line, like someone had asked me about my father and I was like, oh, you know, he's just, he's busy populating the planet. Like I just, it just came out like as like a kid, you know? And we, that was just our family dynamic. We always made jokes in the weirdest situations. And I remember that for the first cut, like, I want to say like first grade, second grade, third grade, my jokes wouldn't land with them. Like I was always, they were always making us laugh. Like my brother, my mother, my sister, they were always cracking jokes and we would all laugh. Right. Uh And then I would try to emulate that and I would never get a laugh. Right. But I do remember getting my first laugh. I was uh, in the back seat of the car and we were driving to Laredo to visit family. And I was just like, dude, what if I never pass my driver's ed test? I had just seen license to drive. Right. And I just like I started talking about that. And they all looked at me and like just started laughing at me. You know, and there was no punchline. They were just like, Tori you're seven years old, you know, like, <laughs> what are you talking about? I was like, what's going to happen? What if it's like licensed to drive, you know? And like, and then I just, I was addicted to that. And then I used to also perform for my mother when she would come home with her friends late at night. I, I would just try to like, do this is my New York accent and like try to make them laugh. It's so weird. I was always wanting to be the center of attention um, always had a vocabulary that was way above what it should have been, uh, because my mother was a nurse and she also, uh, she was just an open person. Like I would talk about things I shouldn't be talking about <laughs> at a very young age. Um, so yeah, I, I, whether or not I was trying to be comical, it was always there. Yeah. I just, uh, I never thought that it was possible when I was young because everybody that we, we're listening to like comedy records was a man, you know, with the exception of Lily Tomlin. Um, so I didn't really think that that was in the cards. Uh, my brother and I talked about, well, maybe we could be a, a comedy duo group, you know? Um, and that, you know, that fell to the wayside once he discovered that he could, uh, he was a man and he could have as many friends as he wanted. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, it was always in the back of my mind. Uh, but I just, I thought, oh, I'll be a poet. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, it turned into, like wanting to be funny. And then when I got into middle uh, high school, I was like, I'm going to be a poet and travel the world. And it's going to be so great. And then I became a dropout. So yeah, <laughs> that did not happen. Um, what, what prompted you to leave school? I, I was a troubled kid. I just kept fighting and I met pot and I was like, what's up? I want to smoke pot all day. And, you know, I had a, I actually left middle school. Uh, my mom pulled me out of middle school when I, uh, I came home one day wearing black cherry lipstick um, because all of the, my friends that were in gangs were wearing it. And I was like, Ooh, and they were like, you want to be in the gang? Okay. Also, I found out how you get into a gang not recommended. Um, and I remember my mom was like, you are not going to join a gang. And she just pulled me out of middle school in the seventh grade. Um, we were living in a small town called Los Lunas, which was, it was either like gangs or meth. That was the only route I could be in. (laughs) So she just pulled me out and said that she was homeschooling me, but we really just watched another world and days of our lives and went antiquing. Like I didn't learn anything for those two years oh my 
And then we moved back to San Antonio and she wrote a letter uh, to the Taft High School people and that she was like, yeah, she learned everything. They didn't test me or anything. So when I got into school, it was it was a shock, you know, like yeah. I had been out of school for a few years and then it was like people <laughs> they're doing drugs you know, and they're leaving school to drink. And I just I wanted friends more than I wanted school. And it and it would have been really hard because I hadn't learned any of the, you know, like math is cumulative. You know, I, I didn't learn any of those basics, yeah. um, but I was always good in English. You know, science was killing me. Um, and the pe- teachers didn't understand how I could excel in all, all of the reading and writing stuff, but everything else was terrible, you know? So that was hard. It was, I felt like I didn't belong. And, um, I got a job at the movie theater and then I just threw myself into work. And my mom was like, well, you're, you're, you know, you got kicked out of this school for fighting and you got kicked out of this school for fighting. And like, why are you fighting? And I'm like, "Hmm, maybe because I don't have an education. (laughs) Like maybe I didn't (laughs) realize you need certain social skills. I don't know. I, um, so yeah, I, it became easier for me to leave if that makes sense. So, um, sorry if you can hear my dogs <laughs> fighting in the other room. Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, I was like, I'll just, I'll be a writer is what I thought. And I left school without the skills to really be a writer. And I threw myself into work. So I, uh, Managed movie theaters was my thing. Managed retail, you know, and writing was always in the back of my head. I was just like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not doing this? And so it, writing it bad was, poetry. You knew it was a creative outlet, but you weren't really. I didn't have the to tools, yeah. you know, I, I didn't. I all I had was, uh, you know, a passion for reading and, you know, a high vocabulary. And I just didn't have the tools. And then you know, getting back into school when, when you didn't have a high school experience or a middle school experience was very hard. Um, at 17, I enrolled in college and I was like, Oh, it still sucks. And I was not ready, you know? And then I tried again at 19 and I was like, Oh, this is terrible. It wasn't until I, uh, I found out I was pregnant with my son that I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. And I had to hunker down and, you know, it's so funny when you have a kid, the panic of being responsible for a human being just sends you, you do things that you didn't think that you could do. So getting back into school and starting from the beginning, like it was embarrassing. I had to take so many math remedials and like a couple of science remedials and stuff. I had to work. it, It was like an extra year, you know, just to get a bachelor's. So, um, so, I don't recommend that route. <laughs> it sounds very painful. Um, yeah, no. And it, and it was, it, it was, it was very painful. Cause I, there was a lot of issues with like self-worth and, and, um, you know, I got married kind of young. I was, I was what, 23 and, you know, a year later with a baby and then back in school. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was hard, but when it was worth it, you know, yeah. Th- this is probably a, a two too trite of a way to encapsulate but what i uh, this this phrase is coming into my brain that what what you needed to be able to work through that uh ability to get through college was the the humbleness that you get from realizing i'm now responsible for another human being 
I'm willing to sacrifice, you know, my pride, if you will. Exactly. Whereas you may not have had that ability at 17, at 19, when you, you tried then. Yeah, almost, almost definitely. And, you know, it makes me it makes me think of this thing that I battle with in comedy and, and that's ego. Right. And, and that was a lot of my I don't need school like I'm talented on my own. I don't need these teachers to define me and then having to go and be like, OK, well, no, I do need help. Like I still have notes upon notes from my undergrad because I learned to be a student going to college in my mid twenties. Do you know what I mean? Like I had done, I had done it all wrong. I really did. I was the partier. I was the, you know, the, the freaking, I was the clown at parties. Like that's how I, I should have been doing comedy. It probably would have saved me because I was so busy entertaining friends and, and doing outlandish things that I kind of just ignored all of my responsibilities. And it wasn't really until I had my son that I was like, Oh, you know, I'm not going to, be able to show him how to drink beer from my boobs, I should like (laughs) do something with my life. You know, Um, my only regret is that when I went back to school, I chose something practical because I wanted, uh, I wanted to have time to write. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to do teaching so that I have time to write. And I should have just went for it. A lot of people don't realize that you should just like, who cares if people, if it's going to be hard, just go for what you want to go. And I would have done probably screenwriting or, um, you know, creative writing back then had I had some more faith in myself instead of going like, I'll just put me on the side for my son, if that makes sense. Yeah. Which I still will do anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, So it's interesting that you chose as your practical outlet, Yes, your education that you chose to go into the profession that couldn't help you mm-hmm. when you were younger. Uh, well, and that was inspiration too. I hated my teachers. Mm-hmm. They were so terrible, especially English teachers. I used to walk into my high school English teachers uh, classroom and she'd be like, get out. We are not doing this today. And I'm like, oh, what gosh. the, I'm just looked at you. Um, I've always looked very aggressive, you know, like I've, I've looked like uh, like a Mexican woman and we can't help it that our eyebrows uh-huh. will will murder you. You know, like it's not it's not my fault. And yeah. and yes, I was a troublemaker and I used to mess with her because she was just, she, you know, not to be like offensive. She was just this like old white lady who hated teaching. And it's always these women in these positions uh, and men that don't want to be there that that affect children. And that that greatly affected me. You know, yeah. like I would spend every eighth period in the principal's office because he didn't want me to fight with her. He'd be like, just come and like hang out with me. And I'm like, do you have a crush on me? <laughs> I have daddy <laughs> issues, you know? Um, yeah, just always trying to bail me out. And then and then I got kicked out of that school. But yeah, I I. I always dealt with educators that didn't see my worth. So I thought, well, maybe I can get into the education system and reach someone like me. And for, and for a while I did reach a lot of people. Like I, I will say that sharing my non-traditional background made me a stronger teacher. And I always was transparent with them. Um, Maybe to my detriment, because when I, left a low socioeconomical school 
and went to a gifted and talented program, um, my, it, I became a target immediately. I was not the norm and they did not, they did not want like the parents, it, it just, it turned into like, uh, she seems a little liberal and I'm like, what? Or, or maybe she's guiding a, maybe she's a, maybe she, I think I said something, um, uh, correcting someone in class and it turned into like world war three about, uh, civil rights and all this other crap. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? It, everything became an issue. Once I went from a low socioeconomical to like a, a, a really expensive school, <laughs> it changed. The dynamic changed. Suddenly they didn't want to know my story so much as like they wanted to make sure that I was qualified. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh, my record doesn't stand for itself. Okay, cool. Um, they did not like that I was a dropout. I think that people, when they hear that you're a dropout, they think that that you're like an advocate for it. <laughs> and and something, you know? and teacher i mean <laughs> but i went back i was like dude i'm here yeah. to help you know like what are you talking about in yeah. the end it just it didn't i had to leave it was so toxic and i was so unhappy and i was working so much and i was like what am i doing what yeah. am i doing yeah yeah and, and you've you've battled for so many years at this point with you know knowing your worth Mm -hmm. And you, you started seeing the value of your worth when you were in the lower socioeconomic environment. And then you, you're like, oh, these people are not, not valued. They don't, yeah, they don't want me. They want, they want someone else. And, you know, if you look at, (laughs) I laugh because I think about my replacement and that's who should have always been there. And I, we had a, a lunch one time. And she was there and she had just taken on a position and she told me her background and uh, just in talking to her, I was like, you're the, you're the person that should have my job. Huh. I said it like that. I was like, they're looking for someone just like you. And I didn't know what I was saying at the time. But then yeah. when I left the position, I recommended her. I was like, this is who you want. You want someone that isn't going to challenge anything that you feel is safe, you know? And, yeah. um, it was the saddest position. It was the saddest thing for me to leave. I was a creative writing director. I love that position, but the kids were, didn't under, like some of the kids just didn't, they did not, they thought I was just some mean Mexican girl or something. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Um, it definitely felt like the saddest thing I've had to do, but it like, it threw me into writing since I left teaching. I've been writing so much and now I'm looking at everything like, Hey, submit this. So that's what I'm doing right now. I'm like, why do you have, why are you sitting on years of writing? And you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's fear. I'm always, I'm always a confidence. I always have confidence issues. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that bravado that you had as a young person was a way of protecting your fears. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we like, I guess someone the other day was talking about uh, being a 20 something year old girl. And I was like, Oh my God, I would never go back. I would never go back. I feel like I did not know myself and I know myself now more than I ever have. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's scary, but it's also very freeing. Um, just the other day, somebody was talking to me about, you know, she's like, how are you so confident? How are you so confident? And I was like, honestly, I, I fake it until I make it, you know? And they were like, they were drunk. I'm sorry. but they were drunk. And they, 
And they leaned into me and that's freaking COVID. And they lean in. They're like, don't you ever fake it. You are confident. You are beautiful. And I was just like, okay, get the, get away. Six feet. Six feet. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, like you, don't you ever fake it. And I was laughing so hard in my head because I was like, what are you talking about? We're all faking it. You know, like we're yeah. all confidence issues are pretty common, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Just so I have a sense of timeline, when did you leave that teaching position? Um, I left uh, teaching. Huh. This will be my fourth year in comedy okay. uh, or almost four years. Oh, my God. Almost four years. Wow. And so I left teaching maybe three, two and a half years ago. Okay. Wow. So that's fairly recent. And four years. That's. Uh, you come off as somebody who has performed and maybe your whole life has been about uh, some level of performance. You come off as somebody who's performed a lot. Yeah, no, I've, I've always been in, I've always felt like I've had to entertain, like, Mm -hmm. and that has been a thing. And then I've always been a writer. I only started writing comedy though, uh, four years ago. So before that, I was always afraid of what I would say, like, to be honest, you know, I am, uh, I am, uh, always worried that I'm going to say the wrong thing. And for someone that says whatever's on her brain all the time, uh-huh. I do, you know, it's a, it's an inside joke that I have. Like if there's an elephant in the room, I accidentally always identify it. Like, I don't mean to, uh-huh. Um, especially if you're like, don't say this word. I'm like, that's all I can think about is the word, you know, like <laughs> mullet, mullet, you know, like it just becomes a thing. And I, yeah, I've always, humor is my coping mechanism and I've always used it, um, in everything really. And when I left teaching, I was upset and I thought maybe I would go back and I've thrown it around in my head, but I honestly just want to have a job where I'm writing you know, mm-hmm. um, which may be hard to pull off, <laughs> especially now. Um, but I just, I like writing. I know a lot of people, uh, in standup have several other passions or they have one and that is standup. And for me, it's hard because I just love writing. Um, and a lot of the first year of comedy, I was writing a screenplay about a woman who was trying to be a comic. So a lot of the the material that I was doing was to see if it was going to be funny for the book, uh-huh. if that made sense. Um, and it, and then I finished that book and screenplay and I was like, okay, well, now what do I do with it? So, yeah. So I feel what, like I'm was it, what, what was it that prompted you to do comedy for the first time? I was just, uh, I was tired of seeing, uh, I was tired of not taking risks, Hmm. you know, like I I went back to school. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like I felt like I, I had, I put myself in, I felt like I was like denying a part of myself. Like it really became more prevalent that I was watching a lot more standup and I was thinking about it and I started looking up open mics and like, I went to my friend's wedding um, and we were there at this wedding in St. Louis and I was talking to her and I was like, you know what, when I go back, 
first thing I'm going to do is hit a mic. Like, why am I waiting? You know? Um, and it was just like years after people being like, Oh my God, you're so funny. Have you ever thought about comedy? <laughs> and I'm like all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So I just, I made myself go to an open mic and then I was like, Oh, I like this feeling, you know? And then, uh, one mic turned into like five a week. And then oh, that wow. was like, I was at a mic almost every night. Um, and just, the culture was super interesting to me because when I started in San Antonio, there weren't any women. Um, and so of course that became more of a motivation because I, I started looking at the statistics of like how many female comedians are there and then the ones that are successful. And then what is their material about, you know, and I, uh, I started to get fascinated with the fact that here was yet another male dominated, um, career. And I was like, man, fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> you know, I just turned into like, I turned into like some like self-advocate. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to see what happens. For the first year, I just wanted to like try really hard and see what the result was. And so that's what I did was I went hard the first year. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I had my first like paid gig in three months. So suddenly I was like on showcases and I... I definitely would think like, well, is this because there are no girls, <laughs> but You're fighting that confidence thing again, exactly. Like, is this, you know, is this me or did I earn this or is this because I'm female? Um, and, uh, and everybody was always surprised. They were like, uh, you just started, you know? And I'm like, well, I, I write, that's what I teach is writing. You know, I teach like nine classes of creative writing. I, I get it, you know? Um, but I wish I could even look at, like, talk to myself four years ago and be like, no, baby, you don't get it. <laughs> you know, like, I did not know what I was doing. Um, but thank God I found the tiger. Uh, so that was, I don't think I would be the comic I am today if it hadn't been for the tiger. Mm. So, and not that I'm anything, but I, that room I've put so much into and it's given me just as much. Yeah. So I want to get into something that I found really fascinating in doing my my research is I found an article by the, the current, the San Antonio Current, which you've probably seen the article. Uh, let's see if I have. Oh, I thought I had the link to it. I guess I don't. Um, I don't know when it came out, but it talked about the San Antonio scene and there were so many layers to it. And uh, when I was reading it, of course, the blind tiger came up and I had no idea that it was it was literally under the magic time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the basement of the magic time machine, yeah. <laughs> there are a bunch of sad, lonely comics <laughs> that try to entertain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that, you know, here I am in Austin and I have, you know, loved the Austin comedy scene for going on nine years now. And seeing like how we are viewed by San Antonio comedy scene as you know we're the golden child and mm -hmm. how hard it is and especially with the closure of the River Center Club how hard it is for the seventh largest city in the country to give people an opportunity to perform comedy yeah, 
That was, so that, I want to say that article, gosh, was it two or three years ago? I know what article you're talking about. My mother got all of the currants that she could (laughs) and was like, they were on the coffee table and like, and they were open to my picture. And she's like, this is, I'm like, mom, (laughs) it was so embarrassing, but cute that she was excited, you know? Um, and and yeah, that's, that's so funny. That memory of like, why is this on the coffee table? Like, what are you doing? You know, and she's like, oh, well, just in case anyone wanted to read it. And, and I'm like, they put all my quotes in there where I'm cursing. Like, just like so embarrassing. I got a lot of blowback for that article because I was like, you know, wanting more. I wanted more opportunity because San Antonio is a huge city. We are. And we're so close to Austin. And and I've always been in awe of Austin, um, especially the comedy scene. Um, I was a little taken aback with uh, this last year of a pandemic because there were so many flyers coming out of Austin and I didn't know who the people were. Like, it's just suddenly I wasn't recognizing names and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Um, it's cool to see things coming back now and recognizing names on flyers. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm like, yeah. oh, I know that person. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. But in San Antonio at that particular time, all we had was LOL and uh, which is the main club. And it was still um, under um, old management. So it was not ideal. Um, And the opportunities were going to only certain people because they worked at the club. That was just the, the thing that LOL used to do was they would encourage you to work the door, which is kind of like a, 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 an old thing, right. To work the door or, you know, be a waiter or, you know, whatever show the club love kind of thing. It's kind of like an older, uh, mentality. Um, and I can see how that model would work like at the comedy store, you know, Mm -hmm. but for San Antonio, I was like, what? I I need a job. I can't work the door, you know, like, Um, so even though I was getting showcases and all that stuff here and there, uh, once I got into an argument with the former manager for inappropriate behavior, I got locked out of the club and that was like, that felt pretty bad. Um, and so I started producing other shows and stuff like that, uh, outside, like at brick and things like that. But the, the dynamic of comedy at that point was pretty low. We were like, are we going to, are we going to rise or, or what's going to happen? But yeah. a lot of things changed when LOL, uh, improv, uh, got new management, you know, um, they actually put someone in there that <laughs> knew what they were doing <laughs> and like had a passion for comedy, you know, like you can't put, you can't have somebody in charge of something especially in like sort of, I guess, a gatekeeper role that doesn't know what they're doing, you know, like it's just, it's bad for business. And, and there are a lot of like, there's the main club, right? There's LOL. And then there's the tiger, which is like the alt room. Um, and then there are like bar shows and, um, and other things that are regular things that are happening. Antisocial came, is like a new thing that came out of that and they do like residencies and stuff. So it's definitely changing. Um, I guess it's kind of like Austin in that there are all these little tiny things that are popping up now, but you guys definitely have cooler shows, you know, like cooler themes. Um, I don't know. Uh, 
I don't know. I think it's weird now. Like, I feel like we're in a weird time where there are a lot of people that uh, are trying comedy for the first time and they're sort of like emulating what they think a comic is. And then they're like doing these crazy bar shows. And what scares me about comedy is that there's a lot of stuff going on right now that I worry that somebody's going to take a chance on one show and then it's going to be horrible. And then they're never going to go to another comedy show again. That's my biggest fear. Like, which is a weird fear to have, right? Like I should just be worrying about my own, but I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) what show did you go to? (laughs) You know, that um, that motherly nature coming out. Yes. I, I, where you, you've been a part of the scene, you've gone through it as a performer and you, you kind of want to take care of it to some extent. Yes. And but then also having to check my own ego because it's not my responsibility. Right. Like, yeah, I may uh, be one of the women that's stronger in San Antonio as far as like experience and and uh, and uh, well, I guess just experience. But like still sometimes, again, I have to watch how I say things to people because of what I look like. And I don't know. It's like something like. Every, I don't know. People feel threatened. And I'm always like, dude, this is just my face. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you're making me clench my teeth it's because now you've made me mad, you know, like, <laughs> so, but when that article came out, I, I felt like I, I felt like, um, like it definitely shined a light on me because people were like, oh, this person has something to say, you know? Um, and I did, and I still do. And I love San Antonio. Um, and I, and I love Austin, you know, I always have fun when I go up to Austin and, and I, and we have a good relationship with working with comedians from Austin through the tiger, you know, like, yeah. So yeah, I love the tiger. Yeah. That's my baby. (laughs) Yeah. And it's got an, uh, I don't understand it fully, but it is a co-op. So you're like a, a member yeah, it's a co-op. I'm actually the director right now. Um, I'm the I'm the girl in charge. Um, but it's it was founded by Jay Wycotton with the hopes of uh, creating an alternative space where people could take risks. And we have weekly writing groups um, led by my super good friend Christopher Breckel, and uh, we uh, work as a community to make each other better. And we take our writing through. Um, through a questioning process that allows you to get farther than the first joke that's usually already written, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of probing questions and we work together and we do all that good stuff. Um, the first time I met Jay uh, Wycotton, he told me that, uh, that the best thing would be to have a community um, and people to rely on and to and to sort of realize that it should always be comedy before ego and it's something that i have taken with me um throughout this entire journey because he was just so right like you do do better with the community and i'm sure you understand that with comedy wham um is like having a support system and having people that will talk to you honestly and, and openly and, you know, and also give you some shit sometimes, you know, (laughs) and it's, it's just so much more valuable than trying to go at it alone. You know, um, I always feel like I have a family, so that's why I love the tiger. Yeah. 
you are now, you have a, a permanent gig in Austin. I do. The host of, a, of the case of the Mondays at the Creek in the Cave. How did that come about? You know, um, Colton just messaged me and he was like, this is kind of a crazy idea. Uh, would you want to host an open mic? And I'm like, hmm, does it pay? <laughs> I was like, you know, because I, unfortunately I, I, I am not working right now. And so I have to think of everything as a bottom line. I'm like, uh, all right, I could get to Austin and maybe have a meal. Cool. You know, let's do that. Yeah. Um, and plus I was interested in Creek in the Cave because I knew the history and I know that I feel like everything's popping off in Austin. I thought it would be a good way to see, uh, it sounds so dumb, but it, I thought it'd be fun to see who I could get at the tiger. You know what I mean? Sure. Like see yeah. who is funny. Um, and then I thought it would be cool to see like people that I haven't seen. Um, what's hilarious about it is I, I did, uh, the first one, uh, last week and I recognized two people. And it was like 40 plus comics, you know? Um, and I, I just was like, who are all these people? And then everybody that came up was like, just moved here, just moved here, just moved here. Oh, the homeless, the homeless, the homeless. And then I was molested. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on here? And like, Jesus Christ. Um, so funny. And I thought I was awkward because I've never hosted a mic uh, and sat on stage and it's just so funny because I know it made people uncomfortable because they kept looking at me, you know, Oh yeah. which made it seem like they were directing the jokes at me. And I'm like, Hey, I am not the only fat girl here. Look out there. You know, like just what is, you know, like just stop. Um, but, uh, I'm really excited to see how that comes out. I'm, I'm going to do it as long as I, I, uh, I am not gainfully employed. So, uh, because it is early, you know, I got to leave, um, relatively early to get there on time like yeah. we left at like four uh but it's 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 fun i'm gonna do it until i can't so <laughs> i wish it was like i should have been like hey do you have a weekend i just wasn't thinking i was like yeah let's do it let's try it <laughs> i think what i told colton was like let's give it the old college try <laughs> and he right. was like okay i like it i'm like all right <laughs> So we'll see how that goes. Um, of course, the the hope is to get a weekend there or something like that. Um, but we'll see. I know that it's probably really hard to get stuff in Austin right now. You know, honestly, just seems like there's so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's there's showcases left and right. I mean, you just I just have to look at our our calendar. And see, yeah. And, and I also know that that calendar represents maybe. 85 90% of the shows that are out there because I was gonna say like uh I know that it's just like stuff just keeps popping off and I'm like whoa another one another one another one okay cool but as long as the crowds are still going out you know like as long as people are still you know getting out there I I guess the more the merrier I uh with me I'm just like oh how much does it pay I feel like I'm such a jerk about that because I'm like what's the pay what do you want me to do uh can I swing it okay (laughs) no I uh there is you you probably know Ariel Isaac Norman I Mm -hmm. had a uh 
she did a, a, a writing group for a while and I have very limited time because of being a single mom and I thought oh this would be a great opportunity for me to get some feedback and one of the uh, valuable lessons that she shared during that that uh, group was you have to ask about the pay and you have to realize what what you're worth because then if you don't then people are just going to lowball and it's an important conversation to have and you shouldn't shy away from the conversation about money and isn't it so funny how often we are afraid of money, like to ask about money? Like yeah. it's, it's a thing. It really is. you know. Yeah. yeah. And I had an experience and I am very grateful that uh, somebody that I, I approached about the showcase that, that we just relaunched, they said, you know, for that rate, for the amount of time that I have to drive and taking time away from other commitments, uh, it's not worth it for me. And I'm like, mm. I applaud you for knowing what your parameters are. Mm -hmm. And I'm never going to blackball or blacklist you for making that decision. I actually have more respect for you for saying, this is the criteria for me to get booked. Yeah, and of course, you know, don't be don't be a six month in open micer and have that conversation, you know. No, I but, oh my god, do you know how many shows <laughs> I took my first six months? Oh my god, how many times like you do yeah. that, you know, and I feel like especially if it's your first year, maybe you don't have to ask about the pay, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, but if you have experience, like I, you know, I've hosted at the club, I featured for, you know, Tom green. Like I, I, yeah. I know my worth, you know? Right. And, um, but yeah, I have met some people that are like, Oh, there's a showcase that, uh, has tried to book me in town a few times. Um, and it's a ticketed event and I've asked around, like my friends have done it. And I'm like, how much did you get paid? How much did you get paid? To find out that the men are getting paid more than the women, I said no, you know, and I've said no. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know, even if it's in it, even it's like a, it was like a $10 difference or something stupid. And I'm just like, okay, but they don't think I'm worth the same as you because I don't have a penis. So, uh, no, I'm okay. I'm yeah. okay. You know, and, and that's something is it's saying no is just as hard as saying yes, you know? So, um, it's something that I'm more comfortable with now than ever. Uh, but definitely before I was like, Oh my God, what if they, what if I never, you know, get invited again? Or, you know, what if this is the last time that they asked me to go to Seguin? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but now I have less fear about that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a balancing act, especially like a situation like you, where you don't have a, a full-time job as a backup. Yeah. And it's, it's your inclination is going to be to say yes to everything just because you've got the free time, but you also don't want to devalue yourself by taking. Exactly. And well, and also, you know, I have a, a, a almost 14 year old. He's going to be 14, um, May 4th. And he, every time I get a gig, he goes, what's it pay? <laughs> he's being very protective of you. Exactly. And then I'll, and I'll tell him and he's like, shit you going to do it or what? <laughs> like, dude, you're not my manager. You know what I mean? Like he gets really serious. Like, uh -huh. <laughs> and you know, and he's the, and he's the same dude that like, you know, he thinks about things like he'll see, like, he'll see me listening to my set and then he'll come in and he's like, 
hate it when you talk about me, but, um, <laughs> you can do better, you know, you know, like just like very like serious, uh, I, I, I'm raising a tiny me, you know, like a very like emotional, like he better not be an asshole. Like I was in high school. Like I'm so scared. Um, but it would be deserving. You know, earlier I was telling you that like, I didn't attend middle school uh-huh. and like now I'm definitely attending middle school because I will, I will do his work just so that we're done with it. You know what oh, I mean? Good. I'm just like, we had to write a persuasive paper the other day, uh, about whether or not we thought dogs had the same rights, uh, as, or should have the same rights as humans. And like, I'm like, tell me what you think about it. And he's like, it's fucking stupid dogs. <laughs> dogs. <laughs> dogs are not the same as humans. Hello. And like, he just starts telling me his stupid argument. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm very passionate about this issue. And like, I translate, like, I'm just like, they're like, okay, what don't you like about it? And then I have to make sentences out of like this broken, whatever fucking rap God stuff that he's talking in. And it's, it's the best. I love him. I love, if I had a daughter, I don't know if I would feel the same way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Boys are the best. That's funny. I did. I, I knew your son was, was a, a teen. I didn't realize because my son is 14 as well. So we nice. They're in that similar and I'm, I'm very protective, but I will never do his homework. We, oh, we, I'm we, just we, like, I'm terrible. I'm like, Ooh, what do we do? But you know, I didn't get to do it the first time around. So I'm like, Texas history. This is cool. <laughs> you know, like, and I get so excited. He's like, why are you excited? I was like, dude, we are learning about atoms. You know, like, I don't remember. Like, I had to learn this in college, and it was so hard for me, Kaven. But, like, imagine if I would have just learned it in the eighth grade. Like, I, you know, like, yeah. and sometimes it just really takes me explaining something for him to understand it. Um, where I'm, like, teasing him. I'm like, look, stupid. If I can get this. <laughs> you can get this. Like, look at this. This is standard deviation. This is all we're trying to figure out right here. Look at how easy this is. Look how, look how mom can do it. And you're so dumb that you can't do it. And then he'll get mad and take the computer away and do it himself. And I'm like, yeah, I bullied him. (laughs) (laughs) He tries to tell me that bullying isn't a thing anymore, but he doesn't realize that I'm doing it to him. You know, like that's what I'm doing. I'm a terrible mother. I never said I was a good mother. So well actually the, well, one of the guises of of inviting you for this episode is i i wanted this to be our mother's day weekend release episode because <laughs> i see what you post as as a mom in your role as a mom and I'm like, <laughs> i love this woman i mean i love your comedy but i lo- love you know it's and it's that thing of your writing skill comes out when you talk about you know, the things that you do as a mom. And it's just, you know, and I feel like a lot of people, uh, being a mother is one of the hardest things that you can do. You know, I, I saw, uh, Whitney Cummings last night, uh, at LOL, I went and saw her and, um, you know, she doesn't have kids, but she spent a long time talking about, you know, uh, she's working on new material. You can tell. And one of the things that she was talking about is how, uh, parents, she's like, parents, they're fine. You know, they're fine. You know? And then she would go into all these examples of, of how, uh, she grew up versus how kids are growing up now. Right. And, and I was like, okay, cool. Like I was thinking about it and, and there is a stigma, you know, when you're a parent, when you're responsible for, 
a life that you're, you're messing it up, right? Like you're, you're creating trauma accidentally or on purpose, (laughs) um, that you're not supportive enough or you're too supportive. You know, there, there is the, the worry that you're going to become, uh, the, the topic for years in therapy, like thereafter, you know, and, and I always think about that. And I, my mother was the, such a strong figure for me, but one thing that she always did was that she, she kind of talked to us like we were little adults, you know, she always, she never dumbed down language, you know, uh, which is probably why as a four-year-old, I was handing out suicide awareness balloons in the mall, like asking people if they have protected sex, you know, like <laughs> I, I've always been spoken to as almost an equal. And so my vocabulary would show that. And sometimes when I'm talking to my son and he says something back to me, I was like, okay, you sound like me. Like, how did you know that word? You know? And, and I am very honest with him about everything. And we do have conversations, um, you know, cause I'm worried he's about to be a teen. You know, when I was a teen, I lost someone very important to me, uh, with drugs and alcohol, you know, he died. I thought this was going to be the man that I was going to marry. And so I have always been upfront with drugs and alcohol with my son, you know, and, um, it's just been like, it's, it's things like that. Like I, I'm like, dude, you're not going to make me a grandmother, you know, talking about sex and things like that. And, you know, always these big issues that I think some people, will sort of teeter around because they're worried about what these conversations will bring up. But I, I can't stop talking to him. You know what I mean? I have these jokes about like, (laughs) I have jokes about like him coming to me with like super private stuff, like finding pubes for the first time, you know? And like, (laughs) these are, these are things that these are moments that I wouldn't have with him if he didn't feel like he could talk to me about anything. And I don't know how long I'll have that for, because I know that sometimes there's a shift in boys, you know, um, but I'm going to, I'm going to be the most annoying mom that I can be. Um, and you know, especially with my mother gone, my, my son was very close to my mother. Um, you know, cause we're Mexican and we always used to drop him off there. And (laughs) like, I, uh, so I worry that he's, he's going to forget how, uh, how it felt to have sort of a matronly elder person on his side all the time. So now I feel like I have to do more of the spoiling as well, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I'm trying to, to juggle how to make sure that, that he still has that, that grandmother figure that is like showering him. So maybe he is a little spoiled. Like maybe he's going to live with me forever, but the joke is on them because that's all I've ever wanted. You know, like I just, like my husband could leave me tomorrow and I'd be like, uh, can I keep the kit? You know, like, I don't, you know, that's what kind of, that's where my head is at. You know yeah. what I mean? Like he's just, he's everything. And he's also the biggest pain in the ass, you know, like, and I feel like people that don't have children don't understand that. And right. And I've written, I, you know, and I've, I've tried to like write jokes if they don't go well in Austin because everybody's a dog mom in Austin uh-huh. or whatever. And I am a dog mom too. Okay. I have five dogs, you know, like, <laughs> but it's not the same, you know, it's not the same, you know, yeah. like, and it, it, it doesn't compare and, and, you know, you're just changed 
you're changed and it fucking sucks. Especially the first few years, you know, you're like an emotional wreck. Yeah. Yeah. Like things that wouldn't normally affect you are suddenly affecting you. I've been a werewolf since I had my son. Like I can hear, I can hear the Xbox turning on across the house, you know, like I can hear, I can hear when he's too quiet, you know? And I'm like, well, what are you doing in here? You know? And like, just my super senses and like, or I get a feeling and like, I call him and he's like, I was just about to call you. It's like, you turn into something other. Yeah. And it's so wild. I would, I would never think, think it, you know, like he, uh, you know, he has questions about like drinking and smoking and, you know, I smoke pot and he's, he has, he's like, you've been smoking pot. This is, this is pot. And I'm like, yes, it's illegal. I'm sorry. You know, just, uh, this is, this is your mom. And then he's like, well, can I try it? And I'm like, no, you fucking idiot. You cannot try it. Like you, you don't even pay taxes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, I just, and then I'm like, you can grow up, you know? And then he's like, when did you try it for the first time? And I'm like, that's not relevant. You know, like get out of here, you know, like. I'm like, you're going to get into high school, worry about other things. I'm like, maybe when, when maybe when you're 16 and he's like, okay. <laughs> this is so like, and I know that parents out there are like, what? <laughs> but honestly, stop worrying about it. Like, at least he came to me, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, and exactly. asked, I would be scared if it was someone else and that, and it's just because I've had these conversations with him. You know what I mean? Like, I'm always like, Hey, what are your friends doing? I know that for, I know your friend over there. I don't <laughs> like him, you know, and having those fights where, you know, that the people that they meet may not be good for them, but then also thinking about your own experience, like, cause my mom would be like, that person's trouble. And then I'd be like, they're my best friend. <laughs> and, and knowing that I can't like, I can't, I have to get him, let him make his own decisions, you know? And I'm like that person seems interesting. And then later he'll be like, that person turned out to be real terrible mom. And I'm like, I know I saw it. I saw it with my own eyes, but I knew you wouldn't listen to me. You know, like it's a lot of, I don't know. I would not do it again. <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you have a moment when you were pregnant where you were excited or were you like, Oh no. Oh yeah. No, I was excited the whole time. I mean, it was something that I I'd wanted and I'd waited, you know, I, was like in shock. I was like, go get another test. (laughs) (laughs) I was, and I remember I like cried and I was like, can I get rid of it? You know, like, just like, (laughs) and my, and my husband, we were newly married and I hadn't expected it. And, um, and I wanted to do other things, you know, and my husband was like, I really did. I looked at him and I was like, we should just get rid of it. And he's like, Tori, we're married. It's okay. And I was like, Oh my God, how funny that like my immediate thought is like, let's get rid of it. You know, like, uh, cause every time before I was like, I'm not ready, but then it, it, it made sense. And you know, I'm glad, I'm glad we didn't throw that one back. You know, um, he's my favorite person. Yeah. Yeah. For uh, for me, it was, I, I was in my, my thirties. So I'd spent all my life being selfish and doing whatever I wanted. And I'd never actually thought that I wanted to have a child, but then, you know, the pieces lined up, got married and, and had them. And it, I was surprised at how natural it felt. 
like, and I just felt like, okay, I, I know what it's good for this person that, you know, can't control their bowel movements. And yeah, you know, I've been trying to write about being a mother, like all those things that happened and trying to get to formulate them more into, because I do have motherhood material, but it's all, you know, at present what I'm experiencing. Right. But there was so much that, that I went through, like as a new mother, that's hilarious that I just have started writing about. And it's so funny because I was just so young, you know, and, and it's funny that you were like, you had done everything you wanted to. Well, I had done all the partying that a girl should have to do and (laughs) like ever. And I felt like, okay, I now try to settle down, try to settle down. And I think that I struggled with that too, as being a young mother and like, uh, and then being like, oh, I need to go out with my friends, you know, and, uh, and being like, and like just having these, I breastfed for too long. Um, my, it's like a joke. My son would, uh, I knew I had to stop breastfeeding when he was like able to talk and fell at a party and then disrobed me in front of everyone. You know what I mean? Like embarrassing how I didn't even realize until he's like under my dress, you know, and like comforting himself. And I'm like, Hey, you're a big boy. Now you have teeth. Um, but I missed that. The breastfeeding was like, that was so cool. Like I, I did that, you know what I mean? And, and then just like, I stopped hanging out with like other people that were mothers. How weird, right? I, for me, I thought mothers were the most annoying breed of person, you know, because mothers are annoying. Mothers are like, they know it's like you become a mother and suddenly, you know, you're an expert, you know, and and, oh it, my and God, you can only feed them like grade A apples grown from yes. the farm in Washington State in this little location. Yeah, it was very exactly I, I or stand weather groups. It was terrible. It was yeah. terrible. And they were the worst judgmental people. <laughs> and they were and they were they were they had no personalities. Like I felt yeah. I felt like I was every time I like because I tried to that was like at the height of Facebook grouping, right? Like I tried to join uh-huh. like Facebook groups about like, uh, you know, new mothers and like mother's walking groups. And like, I was like, oh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go to this jogging group and like all this dumb shit. And like, I would go and it would be these women that were like Stepford brides, you know, and just like, oh, my kid. Oh, look at this picture. Look at this picture. I'm like, I can see your stupid kid right here. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why do I need to look at these pictures? You know? And and who travels with a photo book? And like, it was just so much that I remember telling my husband at the time or like that. I just felt like I just didn't fit. I'm like, I just don't yeah. feel like I'm never going to be the mommy group girl. And what's that going to do for Kathan and his socialization? Well, I did find out because I mean, hell, <laughs> he was surrounded by dogs and cats. And so what did he start doing when he was like six? He started hissing at everyone, you know, like so embarrassing. My grandfather passed and I remember being at the funeral and this very polite Irish Catholic man came up and he was like, hello, like I can't do an Irish accent. It'll start. It'll sound how was he? He was like, hello, little one. I can't do it. And he's like, and Kaven looks at him and he's like, you know, 
my mother was so embarrassed because he was like, ah, you know, and and the, I remember the priest like retracting his hand. He's like, oh, uh, bless you. Son. And like he just like walks off. And my mom was like, you have to get him around some kids. <laughs> and I was like, we just saw Avatar, you know. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, I probably messed him up is what I'm saying. I, this is all the guilt coming out is like I. I isolated him and then he was only around dogs and then he was like communicating in hisses and like, and like now I'm just like torturing him with probably too much information and, you know, and just making sure that I just want him to talk to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm crazy. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Well, you have given in spades. I wanted this to be the Mother's Day weekend (laughs) episode and you have delivered in ways imaginable, unimaginable. <laughs> awesome. Good. That's all I wanted to do is to make everyone listening feel uncomfortable and yeah. like a better parent. Um, <laughs> and you probably are, you guys are doing good. If, if you learned anything is that, you know, my kid is still standing and, uh, and he's so smart and such a smart ass. And I'm pretty proud of that. And yeah. like, uh, it's kind of like how I think about, I was a stepmom too. Like my stepson is old now. <laughs> He's old. But if anything, I feel like whenever I look back, cause I met him when he was nine, you know, eight, sorry. And I always tell him like, if anything, I think I, I, I made you funnier. <laughs> like I take, I take, uh, I take responsibility for him having an excellent sense of humor and really good uh, taste in music. Yeah. Um, yeah. Being a mom is hard. It's not for everybody. Yeah. So it simultaneously gives you confidence and utter lack of confidence about your abilities. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, you have a boy, so you probably understand this. I think it's hilarious that my son is now taller than me, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's like, what's up shorty. And then I just like kick him in the knee, you know, (laughs) and it totally levels him out. You know, he's like, mom, Like, don't try to come to me, like, come for me. You know what I mean? And my husband will joke about it, too, is that, like, you know, Caven's not afraid of him at all. But he uh, I do have the scary mom side. And, you know, I and he's like, I don't know how you do it. You just flip it. And I'm like, it's called uh, Latin blood. It's years and years of um, training. And yeah. Yeah. We uh it's just it's the hardest job. I never thought I would do it. And you know, now that I'm in it, I know I I I could only be his mother. I don't know. I couldn't do it I couldn't do it again and I I couldn't imagine doing it with anyone else and you know, he's the best thing. If anything, if I don't ever make it, maybe he'll go into writing and he'll make it by making fun of me that would be great like the tables turned and suddenly it's like my 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 crazy mom you know (laughs) I think about that too because my son is naturally hilarious and I think man I want what you've got (laughs) (laughs) yeah I love it when he critiques me I want him to like critique me more you know he's just he's like mom what are you gonna like get a real like Netflix thing. And I was like, do you know that that doesn't really just happen? Yeah. You know, like, what are you talking about? He's like, I just feel like you need to do something bigger. I'm like, uh-huh. thanks. You know, thank you. He, he does want to be your manager. Yeah. Well, no, he just wants a cut, you know, he's yeah. into collecting figurines currently. Um, 
and they're expensive, you know? So, and you know, he's always like, uh, like recently with the stimulus, he's like, do you guys get that stimulus money? (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I read that, uh, children are uh, part of that cut. So, um, are you going to give me cash or we'll, what do we do? Like, do we open a bank account? And I'm like, you're not getting any of that money. And he's like, what do you mean? It said, he's like, I read it. <laughs> he read the stimulus package or whatever. And he's like, it said that a portion of it is for children. And I was like, yeah, for the house and the light and like your food. I'm like, hey, then what are you talking about? He's like, all right. But like, what about if you could just advance me like two to $300? And I'm like, what? He's like showing me Kylo Ren and it does look cool, but $300 like, Jesus Christ. okay. I would totally have a mommy play date with you because that is the conversation happening here. <laughs> oh, my when did they start collecting these things? Like you should, he has amassed an army. I will you send know? you a picture of what, what mine. Please do. Amassed. Yeah. I will. It's, it's insane. You yeah. know, I was trying to talk to it with my friend Chris the other day. Cause he was like, I don't get it. Like, how big are they? And I'm like, they're little figurines. And he's like, and how how much are they? And I'm like, dude, he wants one that's like eight hundred dollars. And yeah, and it oh, there's like a John Wick one that's like six hundred dollars. And my friend Chris was like, does do the bullets fire? Like, you know, like what's like? Do they like? I'm like, dude, I don't know. That's a I guess it's like a a boy thing right now. I I don't know. Yeah. you know, I guess because they can't socialize as much, they, you know, live in this universe. And all he does is he sets them up. Like, I don't ever see him playing with, he just sets them up in different, he's like, check out the scenes that I got going. And I'm like, that's exactly what's happening. Why don't you record it? Or like, why don't you make little YouTube? And he's like, mom, I am not the creative person here. Like he always like tries to like, he always has a mom, like, mom, that's your thing. Like, if I'm like, why don't you record it or like do a sketch or like do, and he's like, that's your thing. I'm like, dude, you love robot chicken. What are you talking about? I don't know. Tori, we could talk forever and ever about our, I know. Sorry. I, uh, I, I, we, I want to start wrapping up. Is sure. there anything that we haven't talked about that you want to make sure that people know about you? Um, what do I want people to know about me? Uh, I, you know, I'm looking for a job. Just kidding. What if I started like, (laughs) I have an excellent resume. Um, just that I'm, I'm really trying, uh, I'm just trying to be really good at what I do. You know, like I, I'm always working on my set. Uh, and you know, if they're ever in San Antonio, send a, tape to blind tiger comedy at gmail so we can check you out we're always trying to like do new things um and uh i mean i guess in the words of george anthony work on your set i don't i don't know yeah i love, uh, I love george too he's so grumpy yeah <laughs> so grumpy i always feel like i'm fighting with him it's a mexican male thing right is he mexican i don't know i think so I see. I thought so. Now, now I'm just like questioning his oh, ethnicity. God. I love it. <laughs> Making me question it too. Oh, I'm just kidding. I think he is. Pretty sure. 
Um, All right. No, tell everyone, like, hey, guys, uh, wish me luck because I'm about to enter several screen screenplay competitions and sending off a lot of writing. So, like, uh, uh, please think about me. And also, hopefully, hopefully this is the year that things will go good. You know, let's hope so. I have a closing question for you. Please do. One word to describe your future. Oh, to describe my future, man. Burgeoning. I'm almost there, baby. Ah, I like it. That's a new one. I don't think anyone has used burgeoning before. Hopefully this is the, this is it. (laughs) I, uh, I just, I want everything, you know? And I remember saying that at a young age too, is like, I want so much, you know, and how do you decide what you want when you want everything? Mm -hmm. And I think that the best way to do it is to write about people that do everything. Yeah. I don't know. Hopefully it's a good year though. And I know we're almost halfway done, but I'm not really counting the first half when we were all still inside. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that is a wrap on Comedy Wham presents Tori Poole. Tell us where we can find you on social media. And by the way, you have an, one of the best uh, comedy websites uh, for yourself. So that is a, probably a oh. starting point for everyone. But tell us social media and where you want people to follow you for projects. Sure. Uh, so my website is ToriPool.com. Super easy. No ease. Um, and I... We'll put everything on there. Typically, uh, my Twitter is my unfiltered thoughts. Uh, I'm a horrible, horrible person on Twitter. I just, I can't stop, won't stop. So if you like to hear Tori Pool's stupid premises, you can follow me at Bori Pool on Twitter. Um, I am ridiculous and Instagram. I'm Tori Bori allegory. Cause why not? It's been there forever. Um, and then I'm not really on Facebook a lot, but, uh, it's Tori pool comedy on Facebook. Um, and I do have a TikTok. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, it's a little neglect, a little neglected, but I do like TikTok. It's a uh, Bori pool. Um, and then I will be adding content on my YouTube, but again, you can get all this at ToriPool.com because I tried to make the website have everything. Um, so you should see that and a lot more writing. I do blog the occasional thing whenever I'm pissed off. So please, (laughs) um, indulge me and say, hi, I always wonder who's reading my stuff. Very good. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Tori got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. It has been an absolute pleasure to celebrate our 200th episode with you and our Mother's Day weekend episode, which is, I think, the first time we've ever done like a, you know, a themed, but I, you know, I'm very glad that that uh, got to spend time with you, Tori. This has been Comedy Wham presents Tori Poole. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Tori. Thank you. Bye. Bye.